Our church doors have opened. We want to encourage you to come join us in person. Uh, you'll get the most experience while you are right here, deeper experience right in the presence of the Lord. The uh, Bible says for two or three, I got it in my name. I'm right here. Uh, God says, in your midst. Amen. Amen. What a privilege. What a joy to come together uh, in the presence of the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this privilege. We thank you for this opportunity. Oh, once more to be in your presence and to hear your word. Speak to our hearts. Connect us, Lord God Almighty, with your truth. You say we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And so open our ears, open our eyes. Don't let us just be hearers, Lord God, but move our hearts to put these truths into practice. We love you and we thank you, mighty King. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Hello, 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 welcome. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are continuing our se- series that we started about a month ago. Series we've teamed Trusting God to open doors, trusting God to open doors. And here's what we did. We grounded the message on the truth of God's word, the truth that says God God is the the doorkeeper. God is the door opener. Uh, And um, Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, is is where we sort of uh, summed this teaching on. Uh, God says, Behold, I open a door for you, that no one can shut. I opened the door for you, no one can shut. Now, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, let me go ahead and put it up on the screen. Here's what Jesus said in, um, in John 10, verse 9. John 10, 9. Jesus speaking, he says, Yes, I am the gate. As that word again. I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pasture. How many of you like that, good pasture? I'm the gate. You come through me, you're going to have salvation. Salvation is an all-encompassing word. It's about your past forgiven. It's about your present living under God's purpose. And then when you leave this world, you're ushered into paradise. He says, when you come through me, you get a good deal. Uh, before, uh, 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 your, uh, before you came to Christ, your past, your present, and your future all wrapped together. And God calls it good pasture, good pasture. That the door that I opened for you, he summed it up with good pasture. He used an agricultural term where you look out in the fields and there is harvest. The crops are blooming. Uh, that There is a, a great fruitfulness, great multipli- multiplicity in your life. Amen. Uh, so God is the destiny maker. God is the destiny arranger. And if you've had your destiny truncated or messed up, as all of us do, because in life we run into bumps and struggles and challenges and problems, God also is the destiny remaker or the destiny rearranger. He says, when you come to me, here's what I'll do for you. You say, you say well, uh, maybe I've missed my boat. I've missed my time. No, it's never too late. God has said, yes, when you still come to me, I will remake your life. I will redo your life. I will rearrange. I will catch you up to what you've lost and set you back on a path of wellness because that's who I am. I am the gate. I am the door. I am the access. Oh, God. Now, here's a portion of scripture that I hope all through this time we come back time and time again 
to remind ourselves who God is. The God who not only makes, arranges destiny, but he remakes and he rearranges them. And this is a, a, a picture, a metaphor of what God's grace looks like, what this open door looks like. That if you never believe that God can do something mighty in your life, let this become the scripture that you're lacking on to activate your faith to trust in God. First Samuel 2 verse 8. Read that to yourself. Let's read that together. It says, He God, that's what, He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump and He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor for all the earth belongs to God. God is in charge. He's in control. He owns it all. He's not only the, the, the creator of, of heaven and earth, not only the possessor of heaven and earth, he's also the one who's the giver, the doer, the door opener, the, the, the grantor of all good things. And he says, that's what I do. I pick up the needy. There's no one in life who doesn't need anything. God never made us self-sufficient. He tells us without him we can do nothing. He created us to depend on him, to trust in him. So every person that is created, that is alive today, doesn't have all the need to be able to live life fruitfully. You need God. So the word needy applies to every human race. That the human race, God said, I will pick you up when you've fallen, and I will set you up among princes. I will remake your destiny. I will rearrange your destiny. So that you will be, you will be, you will sit at tables of honor, for everything belongs to me. Amen, 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 amen. Now, what I want to do today, next week, my brother, my sister, is, is I want us to look at four choices that you can make in your life that are life-changing resolutions. Four choices. I will share two today, and God willing, I will. Wrap it up with two more next week. The, the choices that will revolutionize your life, the choices that will bring about radical life change, transformational life change in your life. And in, and in these two weeks, uh, today and next week, God willing, what I want to do is this. I want to share with you truths from God's word that if you adapt that, those as resolutions, you adapt those as the keys to your life and depend on God to help you, your life will radically improve. Not just this year, but for the rest of your life, spilling into your whole generation. It will be a legacy for you. I mean that the rest of your life, my brother, my sister, will be the best moments, the best years of your life. These four resolutions, these four keys these four truths that I'm going to share with you today, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up next week, will literally transform your life. They will make your life so much better if you will apply them to your life. And they come from the life of Moses. The life of Moses. You see, Moses is the greatest man in the Old Testament. He's the guy who led the Jews after 400 years of slavery into freedom. He's the guy that God used to challenge the greatest king, the greatest nation of the world at that time, Pharaoh and Egypt, and set 1.2 million people from slavery, from bondage into the promised land freedom. He's also the guy that God gave the Ten Commandments. He's the guy who wrote the first five books of the Bible. 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, so he accomplished a lot in his lifetime. And you ask the question, why did God use Moses in such a dramatic way, in such a profound way? Well, first and foremost, because Moses trusted God and he acted on his faith in God by making four choices, four resolutions. And these choices he made, my good friends, literally altered his life. You see, his life started on a down spiral. Things were not going on the onset very right in his life. But when he took these choices, trusted in God and acted on his faith in God by putting in place these four keys, what happened is that these four choices led him, him into a higher ground, a place of prosperity, a place of prominence, a place where even now when we look back at Moses, we say, wow, wow. He started off with a weak side. And this is the message for you and I, my brother, my sister, that, that, that what happens in your life is not nearly as important as the choices that you make. I cannot control what's going on to happen to me this year. You can either. But you can control how you respond to them. Uh, folks, this is how life works. We make our choices and then our choices make us. I mean, make a note of that. We make our choices and our choices make us. And your character, your behavior, your life is the sum total of the choices that you make. So while you cannot control all the circumstances in your life, what you do control is the choices that you make. So if your choices are good in line with God's plan for your life, you are going to come out, no matter your circumstances, prosperous. But if your choices are not of God, then things are going to be held back in your life. So what's far important, my brother, my sister, is not your circumstances, you say, Pastor Mike, you don't know what I'm going through. It's my job, my health, my finances, my family. It is all these things that are working against me. It's all the mistakes, the choices that I made. It's all the challenges that are coming in my way. It's all about this, that, or that, or that. It doesn't matter your circumstances. What matters, but what is far more important, my brother, my sister, is the choices that we make. And you see, in Hebrews 11, we have about five verses of, on the life of Moses that explain the choices he made. The first verse is about the choice his parents made when he was a baby. The next four verses are about the choices that Moses made when he decided, I'm going to trust in God. I'm not going to follow the gods of the Egyptians. Even though I was, I was raised in the palace and they worshiped so many gods, I am going to follow the God of Israel, the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. And when he made that choice, he backed that choice up with four critical choices that was life-changing, that was transformational. And I dare say to you, my brother, my sister, your pastor, your friend, that if you make these same choices in your life, you will benefit dramatically over the course, the rest of your life. Now, here's the story of Moses. You know that story. Pharaoh had decided that the Jews were getting too large in number in proportion to his people, the Egyptians. So he made a decree that every baby boy child were to be murdered. 
Because he didn't want the procreation to go on. So if I knock off the men, the boys who grow to be men, who then marry and have children, I am really downsizing this growth that is happening among these Israel folks. So he said, I'm going to do that. And he sent that decree and his army were out there looking door to door for male boys to be able to kill, sadly so. Now, Moses' parents made a decision. They saw Moses and said, Mo, you know what, this, this child is a special child, and so we're not going to let something tragic happen to him. We believe that God has a plan and a purpose for this child. So rather than murdering this baby boy, they made a basket, put him on the Nile River, and then shoved him out and stood nearby to watch, praying that God would take care of their baby boy. Now, as grace will... will well, Corset, Pharaoh's daughter, was bathing in the Nile River. He looked at and saw this basket and a baby who was either laughing or crying or making noises went in, looked at this baby, grabbed this baby boy, and was instantly fell in love with this little boy and decided to take him home and adopt him as his son. So now this slave who was destined to die left floating on the Nile River not knowing his destiny, look at all the terrible, horrible circumstances that happened in the life of this child. And even before he grew up and had a chance of making it in life, look at all the odds that are stacked up against him. But he ends up, he ends up in the palace. That everybody knows that he's an Egyptian boy except Pharaoh, who didn't know that and thinking that this kid, who is a Jewish kid, is not a Jewish kid, but his grandson. Now, let's look at the account. Let's look at the account in Hebrews 11. I'll read that to you. It says, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were, they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, the king's edict is his circumstances, it's his problem, it's his Achilles' heel. It's a challenge. Every person has a challenge, a problem, a roadblock in life. That by yourself, here is life set of circumstances that are stacked up against him. His was the king's edict that every Hebrew boy has got to be killed. Now, here's what happened. Verse, the next verse, it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose instead... To be mistreated along with the people of God. That's the slaves rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace, in other words, being a slave, for the sake of Christ as of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward in heaven. By faith, he left Egypt. That is leading the Jews out to freedom. Not fearing the king's anger, which is Pharaoh's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Now, in this passage of scripture, my brother, my sister, there are four verbs that are life-changing that I want to spend some time talking to you today and next week. Four verbs. Four verbs. And the four verbs are this. They are the words that are on the line right on your screen. You can see that this is refused, chose, regarded, and persevered. Refused, chose, regarded, and persevered. 
That when you, my brother, my sister, understand the meaning of these four verbs, Paul said, show me your faith without works, without action, and I'll show you my works that are motivated by faith. Faith without works is not, is dead. He says, there are four verbs, four, four action, four behavior patterns, four activities that Moses put into practice that really revolutionizes, like radically changed the course of his life. And I want to spend some time honing in on these four verbs and its implication to your life if you will follow this path or to be able to have a radical do-over, a radical change in your life that would not only affect your life, but your household, your generation, and thousands of years to come. Now, the first is this. The first is this. You know, for me to have transformational life change, here's what I've got to do. By faith in Christ, I must what? Refuse to be defined by others. I got to refuse to be defined by others. You see, here's the truth of the matter, my brother, my sister, is that God did not make you to be what somebody else wants you to be. (laughs) Let me repeat that. (coughs) Excuse me. God did not make you to be what somebody else wants you to be. He didn't make you to be what your parents want you to be. He didn't make you to be what your girlfriend or your boyfriend wants you to be, what your wife or your husband wants you to be. God didn't make you to be what your boss wants you to be. God didn't make you to be what your peers or your friends want you to be. He didn't even make you to be what your enemies want you to be. God made you to be you. Why don't you personalize that? God made me to be me. Whatever you are, I want you to repeat that. God made me to be me. And if you are going to be all that God wants you to be, my brother, my sister, if you're going to be what God says out of the Bible will will have any impact on your life, you've got to be in that place where you you realize that I have got to refuse to be defined by others. If all the sermons you've heard here at Favorite Life Church and you hear elsewhere and the rest of the sermons, that great sermons that God will, will teach us right here from this ministry, from this church, if those are going to have any relevance and impact upon your life, you're going to have to deal with this one, that I must refuse to be defined by others. I must refuse to be defined by others. And this is the first issue that Moses dealt with. Hebrews eleven twenty four. he says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, when he got to a mark of maturity, when he understood that, hey, these are my circumstances, the stock, the stock of cards that I've been dealt with. When he got to a place where it's like, it's not about others, it's not about them, it's not about what's happening from the outside to me, but I have a say so on the destiny of my life when he had grown up. The mark of maturity is when you make a choice, when you make a decision in your life. Here's what decision he made. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, like many people, Moses had an identity crisis. You see, as I explained earlier, he was Born a Hebrew slave, but raised an Egyptian royalty, the grandson, adopted grandson of Pharaoh. And as he grows up, he he makes a decision. He's wondering, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? There are so many definitions to the question, who are you? Based on what your friends think, your job thinks, your mom thinks, your your husband thinks, your wife thinks, you think, social media thinks. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? 
And he says to the ram, the decision you make as far as who you are, my brother, my sister, will affect the rest of your life. For Moses and for most people, he had two choices. The first is this, that he can pretend to be Pharaoh's grandson for the rest of his life. And by that, he will live a life of luxury. He will have fame, he will have fortune, he will have all the pleasures you could possibly think of in the world. He will have celebrity, he will have power, he will have prestige, he will have status. And one day he will become the most powerful man on the planet as the, as, as the pharaoh of Egypt. When his granddaddy passes away and passes the baton on to him. That is choice number one. Or he could face reality and admit who he really is, that he's a Jewish boy. And at that point, when he makes that choice, what's going to happen is that they're going to kick him out. He's going to have to go live with the slaves the rest of his life. Not only is Pharaoh going to kick him out because, because the Hebrews were considered one who are the lower end of the food chain, and also Hebrews, by their tradition, just did not co-mingle. They didn't live together. They didn't eat together with Egyptians or people who were non-Jews. And so a decision being made when he said, look, I, I just need to be who I am. I've got to live my identity as a Hebrew boy. It means that he's got to leave the palace. You live and go live with the slaves for the rest of his life. He's going to be disgraced. He's going to be humiliated. He's going to live a life of pain and sorrow and drudgery for the rest of his life. Which one would you choose, my brother, my sister? Moses made the choice. He refused to live a lie. Moses stood up to integrity. He says, I'm going to live a life of it. I'm going to live true. And you see, most people are living a life of lie today. They're trying to be someone they're not. They're trying to impress people about the things they really just are not true in life. And what it does is it causes an enormous tension in their life. And here Moses insisted, insisted of being who God made him against all the kinds of peer pressure that he will encounter in his life. My question to you, my brother, my sister, is this. Who are you allowing to determine your destiny? Why are you allowing to knock you off from what God has called you to be? The person who, by faith, are living out everything you know is right to be for the glory of God and for your good. Is it your friends? Is it your parents? Is it your family? See, some of you have parents that have died years ago and you are still hearing their voices in your mind. You're trying to live up to the vision for your life. You've got people who have moved on. You're looking to others and trying to, uh, to fashion your life after somebody else. And here is, your, here is who you are. And God is saying, face up like Moses. Face up to who you really are and live your life. By God's definition, and that will be a life changer for you. Some of you are trying to live what some ex-husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or what your, 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 your neighbor or somebody else is living their life. This is what somebody's wife is doing, somebody's husband is doing, somebody's kid is doing. And so this is what I've got to try to be also. You are letting them control your life. If you are trying to impress others and you are living a life of culture, to keep up with the Joneses, trying to impress people on the outside, social media and what this culture says. 
or trying to live that life of competition. I want to be like this person. Let me show you some verses from the Bible, my brother, my sister. How you can make a boss's kind of choice, refusing to be defined by others. And living out what God called you to be, no matter the circumstances. Yes, you cannot control your circumstances, but you can control the choices you make. And the choices you make will make you or break you. Look at this amazing portion of scripture in Hebrews 12. I love this portion of scripture, Hebrews 12 verse 2 in the Phillips translation. It says, don't let the world around you hear this. Squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your mind from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. Now, do you believe that God's plan for you is good? Do you believe that? I hope you do. Because I know God's plan for you is good. God's plan for me is good. God's plan for you is good. But you see, it says it could be taken away from you. So do this. Refuse, refuse to be determined. Refuse to be controlled. Refuse to give in to the pressures on the outside. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world around you hold you. It's savage. This is what this person is going to say. This person is going to think. This is what this person is doing or not doing. And so I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. And you get all wound up. And what God's plan for your life is, you've thrown it on the outside because you're looking to others. He says, don't do that. God's plan for you is, is great. The God says, I'm the door opener, the doorkeeper. I'm the one who gives access to people. There is no one like you. Live out your calling. Don't let the world squeeze you because the world can squeeze you into its mold. But instead, like Moses, let God remold your mind from within. That the, 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 your comeback is a choice motivated by the word of God, the truth of God, the spirit of God, where you are walking in truth and victory, living out. To serve God and serve others based on God's giftedness upon your life. So that you will prove in practice, in practice, that you are living out your faith, living out your calling. You are kicking aside every notion, everything that sets itself up against God's will for your life. That though none go with you, you are willing to go alone. Live your life to serve Almighty God. The plan of God for you is good. You will never discover this plan of God. You will never appreciate all the good things that God has for you if you are trying to live your life the way of this world. He says you got to kick it to the curb. You got to refuse to be defined by others. And you've got to Make up your mind to let God remold your thinking from within so that you can prove and practice God's will. Now, you know, sometimes we think that, oh, everybody's doing this, so it must be good. Look at what's happening on Facebook. Look at what happened on social media. Look at what happened on YouTube. Look at all this stuff that's going on on, 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 on Instagram. Look at my neighbors, my friends. So everybody's doing this. Look at, look at all these things. But the Bible tells you this, and I've lived long enough to know that the majority is mostly wrong. And here's what God says. He says, you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. You say, can you really follow a crowd in doing wrong? I thought that if, if the crowd is there, then it's right. If everybody else is doing it, then it's good. Well, well, here's this. Everybody else is not doing it. Everybody is not doing it. Everybody is not doing it. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. 
The Bible is saying this. It says that if you think that this is what everybody is doing, therefore it's got to be right. The fact that a lot of people are doing it doesn't make it right. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. The assessment, the evaluation of something right doesn't have to be because of the numbers, because of how many people are doing this thing. In other words, don't let peer pressure push you into things you don't want to do that is outside of God's will for your life. In the first place, in the first place they don't really like you anyway. <laughs> Those people you're trying to impress, they don't really like you. Why don't you impress God? Because when you impress God, when they don't show up, you still do it. When you are there to impress God, when no one says, good job, you still do it to the glory of Almighty God, and God's going to bless you. God is, go- God is not going to seek their permission in order to bless you. He says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, for from the Lord you receive your reward. Imagine follow the crowd and doing wrong. Let me give you one more. Look at this amazing portion of Scripture. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is saying, is our purpose is to do what? Is to do what? Our purpose is to come on wherever you are. Our pur- if you listen to this message later, it says our purpose is to please God, not people. This ought to be. This is Moses. What causes Moses with all the odds that were stacked up against him, born into slavery, left out there on the Nile River to die? No one by his side that he knows. How did he become someone so notable, so famous, so fruitful? How did he have this transformation life change? He took the purpose not to be defined by others. Our purpose is to please God and not people. If you make that your motto, if you make that your motto this year, my brother, my sister, there will be transformation life change in your life and your generation. He, God, is the one who examines the motives of our hearts. And this is what Jesus said about his followers. Jesus said about his disciples. John 17, 16. It says, They, my disciples, are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Jesus is saying, you see how I lived my life. I wasn't looking for human applause. I wasn't looking to be able to follow culture. I wasn't able to live in my life to, do, to please anyone. That is the way my followers ought to live, not defined by the world just as I when I lived here on earth. The way maker, the one who came to show you the way I did not live, defined by the way of this world. The one who says, learn of me, is saying you got to live this lifestyle. Can you, can, can you say that about yourself? Can God say that about you, that you're, you're living a life that is not defined by others? You are living a life that is not defined by this world. just doesn't matter. The choices you make are one that honor God. The choices you make are one that are in sync with the will of God for your life. You know, most people can't say that because most people are defined by what others say or do in their life. And for you to be blessed by God, to have transformational life change like Moses, my brother, my sister, you need to Determined to make a choice to refuse to be defined by others. This is so important because you cannot deal with anything else unless you deal with this one. Because God is not looking to to treat you like others. Where God wants to take you, you haven't been there and the people around you are not going there. 
What God wants to do in your life is a differentiator. What God wants to do in your life is something far different than your circles, your contacts, your neighbors. And so God wants you to come out from them and be different and be separate and allow him to define your life and, and so that you live your life to the drumbeat of Almighty God. That you know who you are in Christ because when you know who you are, it sets you free from the fear of the Do You know one of the reasons why people want to live to the drumbeat of others, want to follow what others are doing because of the fear of the disapproval. Oh, if I don't do this, that's what they will say. If I don't do this, they'll think so. If I don't, if, if I, if I don't become like, the fear of disapproval, people are scared to death of criticisms and rejection and disapproval, and so they kowtow to live their life like others. They are always trying to say, oh, this is what others are doing. Right, and this is what God wants me to do, whether people like it or not. I live my life knowing that God is watching. The eye of the Lord says it goes to and fro. He's watching. And he's watching our motives and our actions to see it's right. So that you bring blessing to us. You'll bring blessing to us. My brother, my sister, it's so important, it's so important. Because if you do not step into this space where by faith you decide that I'm going to let God run my life, I'm going to take choices that honor God rather than following all this, what's going to happen? That envy is going to set in. And people pleasing is going to set in. And these two things are your Achilles heels. These two things that naturally will set in will throw you off, will really destroy God's good purposes for your life. God who says, behold, I've opened a door that no one can shut. You can't walk through those doors when you're pursuing other doors. Envy says, I must be like you to be happy. Envy says, I see you, what you are wearing, where you are going, what you're doing. I like that. It looks good on you, and so I want that too. That's what envy does. But God's got a door right here for you, and you want to follow this door right here that will lead you astray. The Bible says there's a way that seems right for a person, but the end is destruction. When you are defined by others, you allow envy naturally to seep into your heart that throws you off to take decisions and actions and choices that are contrary to God's will for your life. And the second thing is people please. The first is envy. The next is people please. And says, I must be like you to be happy. Envy says, I must be like you to be happy. People please, I must be like you to be happy. And you are, you're, you're living your life to the dictates of others. Both of them are wrong, and both of them will block you from fulfilling what the kind of life that God intended you to do. So you have to say, I'm going to resolve that I will refuse to be defined by other people. I'm not going to let other people's approval or disapproval shape my life. I'm going to live for the audience of one that is Almighty God. And this is what Moses did. Your first life-shaping choice, your first life-transformational decision you've got to make to birth a life-changing future, to move you, my brother, my sister, into the best days of the rest of your life is to say this, I resolve no more when I let other people press me into their mold. No more am I going to let others dictate the course of my life. I am going to be what God wants me to be, whether they like it or not. I'm going to do what God wants me to do, and I'm going to fulfill the plan that God has for my life, not somebody's plan for my life. 
And God's plan is always pleasing to God. The will of God pleases God. The will of God, oh yes, it's sacrificial. People are going to laugh at you. People are going to think you are crazy. People are going to measure you by human standards. But God, who sees what you do in secret, is going to bless you. Is going to bless you. And he will move you from one who is needy up to a place where, despite your circumstances, your background, your past, your challenges, God is saying, I will set you at tables with princes. In places of honor. Glory to Almighty God. I, I resolve no more. Will I let other people press me into their mold? No more. No more. Am I going to live my life fulfilling others' agenda? I'm going to live to fulfill God's purpose for my life because God's purpose for my life is good. God's plan for my life is amazing. Here's a famous portion of scripture. We love that in this church. Oh, it's one of my life verses. Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. As your pastor and your friend, I want you to succeed in the rest of your life. And the only way you're going to do that is to be who God made you to be, not what other people are pressing you to be. So first and foremost, you've got to refuse to be defined by others. Like Moses, by faith, because Moses, when he's grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The second resolution, the second choice, the second key that you've got to activate in your life, my brother, my sister, to get you a place where you are on the path of life transformation, Regardless of what's going on around you, what's happening in life is this, is this, that I must choose God's values, not the world's values. Choose God's values for my life, not what the world claims as his values. And this is what Moses did, and that's why God chose him, chose him and used him in a phenomenal way. Look at verse 26, Hebrews eleven twenty-six. 26, amazing portion of Scripture. Uh, Moses, oh, here is a... The second verb, regarded. Moses did what? Regarded. Disgrace. The word regarded means he evaluated, he considered, he weighed in the balance. Here he is making a judgment call, a value judgment. He's clarifying what matters most. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. In other words, he was willing to be treated a slave. And he said, this is what of what? Of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. He would have been a hair and next in charge, an upcoming king as the grandson of Pharaoh. But he says, look, this is not important to me. This is not important to my, my, where God has taken me, what God has called me to be, my heritage, my background, my blessing, my legacy. He says, because, and why did he do that? Because he was what? Looking ahead to his reward. Not my reward, not other rewards, but your reward. What God has for you. That open door that God has for you. That God is waiting for you to come alongside him. To lead you through that door that he calls you of good pleasures. Of good pastures. He was looking forward to his reward. The reward that God had his name on. The plan, the path, the life that God has. That was what he was looking forward to. And so he was willing to be able to forsake 
The world's values and make a choice for God. You see here, Moses is making a value judgment, my brother, my sister. He's clarifying what's important to him. He's choosing God's values, not the world's. Let me ask you this, this other question, my good friends. What matters most in your life? What are the top three values in your life? Can you just name them off? Bam, 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 bam. What are the most important values in your life? You know, if you ask me, I mean, I would tell you very simply. Integrity, humility, generosity. Doesn't mean that I'm always, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm a perfectionist doing them all the time. But this is the values in my life. Integrity, humility, generosity. I want to do what pleases God. I'm not trying to puff myself, but I try to honor others better than myself and I realize that there's more blessing and giving, so I want to give up my time, my treasure, my resources to be able to serve God's people. Appreciating God's big blessing over my life. Three values. What are the top three values? What are the three, top three things in your life? These are the things that I want to build my life on. Integrity, doing what's right before God. Humility, trying my best that whatever I do, it's not about me, but let it be about God for the service of others. Generosity, if God has given me a skill, a talent, ability, resources, know-how, wisdom, I want to trumpet it and share that to others because there's more blessing in giving than in receiving to the honor of Almighty God. And these are the antidotes, my brother, my sister. These are the three traps that will block you from being elevated and success in life. Because if you're not humble, God is saying he's not going to lift you up. If you're not one who is integrity, doing what's right when no one else is watching, God will not bless a crooked person. And if, you don't, if you're not one who wants to share, to give, God is looking for people to use as an extension of his grace. Integrity, humility, generosity. Moses chose God's values over the world's values. And why is this important? I will tell you why. There's a little secret. You see, if you do not decide what's important in your life, other people are going to decide it for you. Social media would say, oh, this is what well, it's important. I could be spending my time doing all this stuff just like this other person is doing it, so therefore I'm going to go do that. Well, somebody has just made that decision because you just don't know what's important in your life. So you've adopted somebody else's idea of what's important, even though in most cases it's way off track than what God views as valuable. They're going to push it into your mold. They're going to push it in your mind and squeeze you into their mold. They're going to live their life and not yours. Moses declared, I'm not going to live the world's values. I'm going to live God's values. Now, what are the world's values? What are the world's values? The world's values are popularity. The world's values are pleasure. The world's values are honey possession. The world's values are popularity. The world's value says, I want prestige. I want power. I want to be famous. I want to be known. I want my name in light. I want everybody to say nice things about me. And so guess what? If that is your value, then your, your choices and your actions will dictate the kind of behaviors that would promote 
The value of wanting to be well known, wanting prestige, wanting power, and wanting fame and popularity. I will tell you that's not going to last in your life. See, the world's value is about pleasure, making about me, the pleasures of sin, the pleasures of self gratification. If all of, of your life is focused on me, 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 guess what? You're not going to get very far in life. And that open door that God has laid for you is not about you, it's God wants to use you to be able to touch people, use you like Moses to be an extension of his hand, his voice, his feet, his heart, his mercy, his compassion, his grace, his power, his presence, his love. The world values popularity, the world values pleasure, the world also values possessions. Moses talked about all these things. Look at it. Let me put it up on the screen. What what the world values? Popularity, pleasure, and uh, and possession. But here's what God values. Here's what God values. Here's what God. Number one, God God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This is not God's purpose for my life. The palace here is not where God called me. There's something else that God wants me to do, and I want to seek it. I want to pursue God. God's purpose is far more valuable than me being here. You know, all the fame, all the glory, all the popularity, all the prestige, everything that comes with being the grandson of Pharaoh and apparent here to the throne one day, God's purpose is far more valuable. Let me tell you, my brother, my sister, fame does not last. Fame is worthless. See, as part of my training in college, I, I studied a lot of the biographies of who is who, and you find out that most people who were then the who is who, well, over a period of time, they really are, were nobodies. Nobodies. Fame is worthless. It doesn't last. Never invest one second of your life trying to be famous because it doesn't last. It doesn't last. The people who were famous yesteryear are nobody today. All that wasted years trying to be somebody. And, he, and, and, and Moses said, look, I'm not going to. I am not, I'm, I'm God's purpose for my life. And so I'm going to forego fame and popularity. Being the grandson of Pharaoh to live out God's destiny for my life. Please quit Trying to win the favor of people who don't even care about you. Never waste your time on popularity or trying to be famous because God's purpose, doing God's purpose for your life is far more important than being popular. The second thing also, God's value being far more better than the world's value is this. That people are more valuable than pleasure. People are more valuable than pleasures. And make it all about you. It's a life of misery. It's a puny little life rather than focusing on what can I do to help somebody. What can I do? How can I use my gifts and talents to benefit others? Look at verse 25. 
Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a lifetime. I want to be with the people of God. I want to be, I want to be with the people of God. I want to be there using what I've learned here in the palace to be able to serve the people of God. And people are far more valuable than pleasure. When you get this value, my brother, my sister, God's going to pick you. He's going to single you. He's going to bless you. Your, your, your days of being needy are just about over. When God says, I'll pick the needy from the garbage tub and I'll elevate them to sit at places of honor with princess, you're going to be in a place where you look around and people like you are no longer, are not there. And you wonder, wow. I have arrived. How did that happen? Because you chose, you chose people over pleasure. You chose God's purpose for your life far greater than popularity or fame in life. Second thing, Moses decided that freeing the slaves is far more important than living a life of luxury in Pharaoh's palace. And he said, I'm willing to trade a lifestyle of royalty in order to help the the neediest of the needy. Because people matter to God. People matter to God and pleasure. People matter to God. And anything else you do to please yourself. And you spend time and hours, invest hours, invest time, invest energy, invest resources in trying to help somebody, in trying to serve God's purpose, in trying to do what's right, in trying to be a tool, a vessel of God to help people who many will never say good job or thank you. You do that and God will elevate you like he did Moses. Values of this world are about popularity, about pleasure, about possession. But ah, Moses chose God's values, which is God's purpose versus popularity. It's about elevating the value of people than pleasure. Third, is pursuing a lifestyle that will promote a peace of mind far more than possessions. Possessions. Verse 26 says, Moses regarded his grace for the sake of Christ. Listen to this. As of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He valued not possessions, not the treasures of Egypt, but he valued this is what God wants me to do. And so I'm going to do this to have peace of mind rather than to live a disjointed life, to live a life of tension. Of who am I? But I'm gonna I'm gonna serve God. I'm gonna do God's work. I am the happiest, joyful, content, fulfilled person right now, living out my calling, preaching God's word to whoever will listen now and in future when I take this message and I put it out there on the internet for whoever might come across it. It doesn't matter. It says do that. I will give you far more peace of mind than earthly possessions. You could have a house stuffed with full of possessions. And there's antagonism in that. If the process in which that came about is not of God, you will have no peace of mind. But if you are staying up all night, trying to do something to be able to benefit somebody for the kingdom of God, oh, there's far more joy and peace, far more fulfillment and satisfaction, far more sense of accomplishment, far more sense of significance than a mass and all kinds of wealth. 
And so Moses understood that, so he walked away, literally walked away from the very things that most people spend their entire life trying to get, the world's treasure. He walked away from it. I don't want to have anything that this world will give me. I want to do God's will. That's far more happy. I like him. I'd rather have Jesus than several gold. We want the world's measure of success. We want popularity. We want power. We want prestige. No wonder that people are torn apart, ripped apart, confused. People are just jumping around from place to place and find no fulfillment or satisfaction or even success in life. And the answer is right here. And it says right here, pursuing God's values over the world's values. Here's what Jesus tells us, 1 John 2, 17. He says, the world and everything in it that people desire is passing away. Can you get this in your heart? Can you push it down your spirit that the world and everything in it that people are chasing after, God is saying, is vanity, it's passing away, it's withering, oh, it has no lasting power. But those who do the will of God will live forever. <laughs> Oh, glory to God. That's long term. The first is just short term. That will just evaporate. But oh, seeking after God's glory, seeking after the values that we've talked about that Moses pursued, it says, yes, you have staying power. You have that eternal life. What is eternal life? Eternal life is the very life of God in the bosom of your soul. Eternal life is a life of peace, life of satisfaction, life of joy. Life of contentment within your own heart. It has nothing to do with the car you drive, the bed you slept on, the job you have. Nothing to anything on the external because external things doesn't touch your soul. What shall it profit a person to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You have that forever life. God's own life in the bosom of your soul. You live and walk with your head high, unmoved, unshakable by any circumstance that has happened in your past, is going on right now, will ever happen. Again, Moses gave up what everybody else spends their whole life trying to get success, fame, power, money in order to do God's will. Because people are far more valuable than pleasure. Peace of mind is far more valuable than possessions, and God's purposes are far more valuable than popularity. Why did he do that? Look at this. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because what? He was looking ahead to his reward. He was looking ahead to his reward. He had a vision, a radar, my brother, my sister. Your vision sets your values. Pastor Mike, you don't understand. I see this and I get distracted. I hear this and I change course and so forth. It's because you don't have that vision. Your eyes are not locked on your reward. Your eyes are not locked on what God has in store for you. Vision determines your values. What you are looking forward to drives your behavior, your actions, and your activities. Vision sets values. And your values sets your results. 
vision sets values, and the values that you have on the inside are what dictates your rewards. If you have poor values, you have no rewards. If you have good values, it leads to better and stronger rewards. few weeks ago, I had an interesting conversation with somebody who said something to me and then said, because of this, this is what you are having. I can't say that aloud because I never know who's going to listen to this message. I look back and say, wow, it's not my performance, it's not my skills, it's not my scorecard, it's not my results, but it's these values, these behaviors that was the determinant for this reward, even though this is what's set for everyone to have. Wow. Vision. He did this because he was looking ahead to his reward. Vision sets your values and your values determine your rewards. What? Let me, let me, oh, let me put it another way. Let me put it another way just in case you missed that. What you are looking at will determine what you value. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus, that's going to be your value. And that value that you are looking to the Jesus value will determine your rewards. Paul put it this way. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, put it this way. I love this portion of scripture. Paul, inspired by God, said this. Philippians 3, 79, one of my life verses. It says, Christ has shown me that what I once thought was valuable is worth, worthless. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. <laughs> wonderful? I mean, everything that I thought was valuable is worthless. Wow. I have given up everything else and counted all as garbage. All I want is Christ and to know that I belong to him. To know that I'm acceptable by God. To know that I'm living the kind of life that God has destined for my life. He adds, God has accepted me. Simply because. Not because of my age, my race, my background, what others think of me. Not because of anything else about the color of my skin. Not because of my background, my past mistakes or anything else. Paul was a murderer. But he says, Christ has accepted me simply because of my faith. And because of that, that is so powerful. That I'm throwing away everything that I once thought was valuable. I am just giving up everything else and I'm counting as, as garbage. So that I will have this wonderful life of God. Living a life that God has destined for me. Pursuing what God has placed upon my heart. That open door that God has opened for me that no one will shut. I want to walk right in that door. Not looking to my left. 
as to what somebody else is doing to my right, as to what somebody is saying. I am just looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And my brother, my sister, if you have that kind of life, oh, what kind of blessing will come your way? You'll be elevated. You'll be lifted up. You're going to be mightily blessed by God. <coughs> oh, let me close on this note. Here's what God says. A portion of scripture that we've been mulling over and been sharing, we've been looking at it. I hope you've memorized it by now for the last six or seven weeks as, we, as we've been looking at Trusting God to Open Doors series. Philippians 3.20. God can do anything. You better believe it. If you've not believed that, I want you to believe that God can do anything far more. God can do anything. God can do anything in your life. Nothing is impossible with God. You ain't seen nothing yet. So don't trade God for anything else. Don't look to others. Don't say, well, I, you know, I got to follow this person. I got to do what ABC is doing. Look, God can do far more. Lean, lean in on God. He can do far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request or dream in your wildest dreams. And he doesn't do it by pushing us around, but by working gently in us. God is looking for a transformational life change. Change begins with me in my heart right now. I resolve. I resign. You get that Moses. You get that Moses conviction. You are convinced that, hey, you know what? Everything I've done, everything that others are doing of this world is just, it's, it's, it's garbage. As Paul will put it. I want this wonderful life. I want to pursue God. Let me invite you, my brother, my sister, to be able to experience this far more life. A life greater than your imagination. A life far greater than what you can guess, even beyond your wildest dreams. Let me encourage you to step into this place where you want God to gently walk in you. Like Moses, I can imagine Moses sat down one day and said, you know, there's more to my life than being here. I'm going to give up everything I have and I'm going to go after the door that God has opened for me. Even though there are sacrifices and so forth, I want to do what's right by God. Will you do what's right by God? And what God, watch what God is going to do for you. He will change your past emotionally, physically, financially, generationally God will do things in your life <laughs> that you can't even talk about it to others you can't talk about it to others because it is just so wow beyond your you never prayed that you never thought in your life that you will ever get to this place where God has placed oh let me invite you as we close to give your heart to Christ as your Lord and Savior. Very simple. 40 years ago, I gave my life to Christ. Every time I have the moment, I thank Him for saving my life. No regrets. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you today for reminding me that you are the door opener. You are the destiny creator. And rearranging. I want what you want for my life. So God, today I open my life to you. 
come into my life, Jesus, and save me. Make me one of your children. And then set my life on a path of significance. The way you created me for. Just as you did for Moses. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. If you pray this prayer and you are in the area, in the greater Washington area, I want to come and uh, visit us at our church. On Sundays, our church doors are open. I'd love to see you. I will put a booklet in your hand about your new walk in the Lord. Uh, and uh, I'm going to keep you at my prayer request. And if I'm fortunate uh, to be your pastor, some of the teachings that you are hearing here today, oh, you're going to have access to more of that to guide your walk in the Lord so that you can have a Moses life-changing transformational blessing. God bless you. Wherever you are, here and ask, may I encourage you to sow a gift, sow a seed, give a tithe and offering to Favor Life Church. Very easy to do that. Uh, you can do that in four ways. Uh, you can give using your plastic. Uh, you, you can hit the online button. Uh, that's a great avenue to be able to give to bless the Lord. Uh, you can also give a cash app. Uh, you can also give via Zelle. Uh, you can also give uh, by uh, mailing a check or when you... Uh, or, you, you, or, or, or given when you are right here in our midst. Again, I invite you to come join us in person. There is such a deeper experience uh, where you can experience the, the, the power of God's presence when you are right here uh, in person with us. Amen. Uh, let's, uh, let's take a moment while, while you give your gift to the Lord uh, and come and sing a song uh, as we close uh, our time here together. God bless you. And my Lord. 
lost a battle. You never will. No, you never lost a battle. You never lost a battle. You never lost a battle. You never will. Come on. You never lost a battle. You never lost a battle. And you never will. No, you never will. No, you never will. Oh, and I love the two. Amen. Let me share a prayer with you and then we're going to share a benediction and close our time together. Oh God, what a time we've had with you, Lord. You know everything about our lives, God, and even now as we depart, our time together as a body, Lord God, that you would seal in your blessing, your anointing for your people, wherever they are, God, that you reach out with power, you reach out with your strength, you do all great and awesome things, Lord God, in their lives. Send for your grace, your mercy, your compassion, your power, your blessing. Bless your people, Lord God Almighty, beyond human understanding. Oh, we love you, Lord. Oh, God, we thank you, God. You can do all things. Remove mightily, oh, God. Lift your people higher, above, more than they can ask or think or imagine. Oh, we love you, God, and we thank you. Show grace, show mercy, show compassion. Send forth your blessing upon them, Lord God. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Glory to God. All right, my daughter, Abigail, is going to come and, uh, and lead us in the grace. Share the grace for each and every one of us. Amen. All right, share the grace a little bit louder. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen, 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 amen. May the Lord bless you. Saints, thank you for joining us. What a privilege. This message will be available uh, right here on our church website. And uh, come back and listen to it and watch it over and over again. May the Lord bless you. Uh, Join us next week, right in person here in our sanctuary, 12217 Distribution Place. Lord bless you.